0: You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church, Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. We are finishing the story. It's 31 weeks that we've been going from the beginning of Genesis and now to Revelation. We have been learning the whole story of what God is doing. We've called it the upper story of what God is doing in the world and through his word and in our lives and something that we can't always see. But it's something that goes on from the past of what God began in creation all the way into eternity. And then we've learned about the lower story about our lives and about what happens here on earth and how God cares about us and how God is working in our lives to bring us closer in union with him as well as with one another and so the story is an important part of who we are and we want to be part of God's story and so we come to the final book of the Bible and I want you to think what's the name of the last book of the Bible okay so There we go. Okay, so is it revelations? Is it revelation? Is it the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is it the revelation to John? Is it all of them? It's all except the first one. And I think so many times when people say revelation, they say revelations when they talk about the last book, but it's not revelations. It's either if you different versions of the Bible. It's revelation, or it's the revelation of Jesus, the revealing of Jesus and of what God is doing for all of eternity. Or it's the revelation that God gave to the Apostle John. So that would be the, the last three would be correct. I want you to think, what's the main theme of the last book of the Bible? What's the main theme of the last book of the Bible? Is it A, when Armageddon will happen? B, God's sovereignty and Christian faithfulness. C, when Jesus will return. D, judgment, heaven or hell. Now, you think it's all of the above? Now, there's only, the question is what's the main theme? Uh, so that's uh, singular in this case. What's the main theme? It's B, God's sovereignty and Christian faithfulness. And we're going to see that. The others are in the the last book of the Bible. But so oftentimes, people are focused on those. The Armageddon. When is Jesus returning? And judgment. And we get really involved in these things. And there's so many things in Revelation that sometimes are hard to understand. And interpreters often spend a lot of time trying to explain the things that are hard to understand. And then we forget the things that are easier to understand, the things that bring blessings to us. And today we're going to look at many verses in Revelation that God has us to read for our edification, for our growing. Now, throughout history, there have been many different interpretive approaches to the book of Revelation. There's five significant ones that are typically used to interpret the last book of the Bible. And the first one is called the preterist view. Preterist simply means past. And people who believe this believe that everything that's prophesied in the book of Revelation actually was already fulfilled uh, 70 A.D., which was when Jerusalem was destroyed, and so they believe that all the prophecies that were there in Revelation happened between the time of their um, when they were said until 70 A.D., and that's called the Preterist view. The second view is the other way, other side, the Futurist view, and that's a very popular view today. It's also part of um, what many people believe as far as being the literal interpretation of Revelation, and they believe that. Everything that we read in Revelation, particularly in chapter 4 to the end, is something of the distant future from when it was written. So 2,000 years ago, it's still yet to have been completely fulfilled. They believe that there will be a final crisis period, which is what we would call Armageddon. And then they believe Jesus is returning to establish his kingdom on earth to judge evil and to usher in a new creation. They believe in a literal rapture. A literal seven-year tribulation and a literal 1,000-year millennium. And it's a very popular view called the futurist view. There's a third view, which um, used to be popular, but which is no longer, actually not very many people hold to anymore. And that is called the historicist view. And that's where they see the book of Revelation almost linear. Like it's just going to happen bit by bit throughout history. And so they look at the different things that have happened in the church and in the world from when Jesus was on earth until now. And they see the revelation, the prophecies happening and being fulfilled step by step. And that's the historicist's view. And so they look at different things in the church. And yet that view has sort of found, um, been lost in in recent history and not viewed anymore the fourth one is called the idealist view and that's where people read the book of revelation and they symbolically they see it as symbolically depicting the ongoing struggle what we're going through now between the forces of god and satan The forces of good and the forces of evil. And so when they read Revelation, they see all that conflict as something that is circular, that continues to happen throughout history. And then there is the fifth view, which is called eclecticism. And essentially, it's a mixed view. And typically it's a mixed view of the preterist view. It takes some things of the preterist view and it sees that it did happen back in then and it affected the first church. But it also takes some things of the futurist view. For example, we know Jesus is yet to return. And so we know that's still happening into the future. But it also takes things of the idealist view and sees symbolism in the in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. And so these are five traditional views of how to interpret the book a revelation but each one has its difficulty but today what i want us to see and we are going to do something different today we're going to be hearing a lot of the word of god but we have outlined it or i've outlined it in five particular points of things that are very clear to me and i think clear to you as well in the book of revelation and these five things are that revelation's purpose And its theological message is, one, to proclaim the sovereign rule of God, that God's in control. Number two is to exalt Jesus Christ. So the first two are about God's character, who he is, and what he does, and what Jesus has done for us. The last three pertain to you and to me and to the church throughout history. And that is that the book of Revelation was written to exhort the church, of how to live, to encourage the church when it goes through times of trials and difficulty, and to assure the church of eternity and of Jesus' return. And so these promises that God gives to us, these teachings that God gives to us, is for everybody. Everybody here should be reading the book of Revelation. It's not so hard that you can't understand it. I remember when I was a new Christian, I didn't want to read the book of Revelation because I thought I wouldn't understand it. But that was wrong. You can understand the book of Revelation. In fact, there is a promise at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. Would you read this out loud with me and we will actually obey this verse as we do. Okay, let's say it together. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And so God is telling us that you and I will receive a blessing when? When we read the words of this prophecy or when we read the book of Revelation. How? When we read it out loud. We will be blessed in the reading and we will be blessed in the hearing. And as we read it, and as we hear it, we'll be taught how to obey. So therefore, when we keep what is written in it, we will receive that blessing that God gives to us. And it is impending, and it is important, it is mandatory, because the time is near. In other words, God's time of bringing his kingdom into the world is near, and we don't want to miss it. God wants us to read his word out loud. Read with me 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And so the Bible tells us even here that it's important. Now we're very familiar with preaching and teaching. And, and that's what's very important in the life of the church, especially in the Western world where we can meet publicly, we we celebrate great preachers, we celebrate great teachers, but in the rest of the world where they can't always be as public and as open, the church is spread across in, in small villages, it is the reading of Scripture together that everyone can do. It is the public reading of Scripture, which we too often forget in our Western world. And so today, you are going to hear a lot through public reading of Scripture, of what God says in the book of Revelation, about those five points that we talked about, we're going to review them again. But that God wants you and me to hear His Word. It's something that's been happening in the life of the church since Jesus was here, even before, as we'll see in the Old Testament, that it was important for the reading of God's Word. Now, if you're taking notes, I encourage you just to write down any Bible verses, any passages, any teaching that's particularly important to you. You will see the Bible passages referenced as we read it. And I've asked um, our brother, Neil. So Neil's sitting up here. You wonder why he came up here. It wasn't because he wanted a better seat and look at you. Uh, He's going to help me, and he's going to help read the scriptures. And you're going to also read the scriptures with us. So there'll be some congregational reading of the book of Revelation But remember this as we do. What God promises is that when we read the word of God out loud, we're being obedient to the scriptures. Now, as I said, it's not just something that's happened um, in the New Testament. It's also something that's taught in the Old Testament. And so I want us to see this video, which talks about the public reading of God's word and why it's so important. jesus said the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words i have spoken to you are spirit and they are life god wants us to hear the word of god and as the video said it was something that was to immerse the whole community in the story of the scriptures And that we should not underestimate the power of reading the Bible out loud. When I was in seminary, I don't remember a lot of things that I learned. But I do remember one thing I learned in a preaching class. When a professor said, always and often read and repeat the scriptures. Because it's the only thing you can say that is always true. And without error, to always read the scriptures often and out loud because it's always true and without error. And so we begin by reading and understanding from Revelation that God's word and this book proclaims the sovereign rule of God. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire the lake of fire is the second death anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown Into the lake of fire. This great white throne represents God's holiness. And God's purity. And that he is indeed the sovereign judge of the world. He sits on a judgment seat over all the dead. Over all who have ever lived. And God will execute perfect justice. And the final judgment will be of the wicked but also of the righteous. Of the dead, it says, great and small. All will stand before the throne. And God keeps a perfect and accurate record. Books were opened. And the record of every human deed, of everything you and I do, of everything anyone has ever done, will be read because it's been recorded. And we will be rewarded or punished with his perfect justice because he is the judge. We continue to read and see that in the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second, was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. To him who sits on the throne. And to the lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God's word proclaims his sovereignty, his rule, his justice, and his holiness. Revelation also exalts Jesus Christ, the Son and the Lamb of God.
1: The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. <clears throat> grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like the bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Revelation chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Let's read these verses together as a congregation uh, so we can say them all with one voice and with power, okay? So we have here uh, Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. So all together, okay? We're going to read it all together. You ready? Okay, let's go. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God Persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And we have one more all together in one loud voice with power, okay? Ready? Let's go. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. And honor and glory and praise. Amen. A few more. <laughs> uh, Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 13. I saw heaven <coughs> I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Revelation chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
0: The word of God exalts Jesus Christ who is the son of God and the lamb of God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one in charge of the revelation. And thirdly, we see that revelation's purpose is to exhort us, the church, To exhort us to repent and to resist compromise, complacency, and false teaching. Those things are easy for us to do. To give in or to give up. To be lazy or to not try. To be distracted or even to be deceived. And so we must listen carefully to what God says to the churches. There were seven churches that Jesus spoke to in chapters 1 and through 3. Seven churches that God was speaking to for you and for me to learn from. And this is what we hear from the word of God. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise... I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. As we hear the words of Jesus to his church, we can feel some of his pain of a church who has not obeyed. But we can also feel and hear his passion and compassion and yearning for us to come to him, to be disciplined, to repent, to return, to be renewed, to be revived, to be refreshed, to come so that he can show his love to us. And that is why, indeed, he disciplines his church He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be hot. He wants us to be a difference maker in this world. So he exhorts us. He encourages us. He blesses us. And he says to us, Be earnest. Be disciplined. Be repenting. And I will restore you. The purpose of Revelation is to encourage us and to encourage all the church of Jesus to hold fast to him and to steadfastly endure all
1: trials. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. Revelation chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep from, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. A third angel followed him, followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image, Or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus.
0: Life isn't easy, life is hard. And the life of a Christian is a challenge. We will face trials. We will face persecution. We will need the patience that only God can give. And this is the encouragement that Jesus gives to his church. That though we will suffer, though we will go through difficult times, though we will be in situations that we don't understand, hold on. Hold on to the one who holds on to you. Hold fast to Jesus. Endure these trials. Yes, God is a holy God. And all justice is his. But he is also a compassionate and loving Heavenly Father. And he knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are flesh and blood. And he cares. And he wants to encourage us and to help us through these difficult times. All People suffer. And God is there to help his people as we do. And fifthly, the book of Revelation is there to assure us, to assure the church of our certain hope in Jesus and of his absolute promise to return and that we shall see his glory. Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Would you stand with me as we read these scriptures together? And as we give praise to the Lord? Would you say it with your heart and with your soul? And to Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. And one more, let us say this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Please be seated. This is our certain promise of a new heaven and of a new earth. It is a certain promise that even now, Jesus is making everything new. We cannot yet see it, but it is certainly happening. God made the heavens and the earth in seven days, and since that time, he has been working and making a new heaven and a new earth, making everything new. How amazing must be that new creation that God is making as he continues to do so for his glory. Revelation 22, 16, 17 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come! Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. God invites all of us to come, to come to him and to take this free gift of the water of his life. Let us say together in conclusion these words. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that through the reading of your word, so shall we receive the faith and the blessings of your promise. We thank you for giving to us the word of revelation, the word of Jesus Christ, the promise of your hope, and the goodness of your grace. We acknowledge, O God, that you are sovereign and control. You are judge and you are just. You are holy and you are good. But we pray, O Father, that we too would seek to be holy and good in the power of your name. Lord, help us to live for your glory. For you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen.